Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. enter in part three of the energy series. And so I'm praying that you're more awake than the 930 service because they were like asleep this morning. Are you awake? Okay. All right. So this is what I'm going to ask. If I ask you to applaud, if I ask you to like raise your hand, if it applies to you, I want you to like jump on your chair and like, just like raise your hand. Uh, Like this is interactive. Okay. So um, I I need your help this morning with this message as we go. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to be talking a little bit about what Pastor Steve from um, church, uh, um, Motion City Church preached on last week. And just if you didn't know, we support him monthly. Um, we support their ministry and what they're doing. And they had many people give their life to Christ on Easter two weeks ago, too. And they're doing phenomenal work down on the south side of Minneapolis. So if you ever want to take a day off from church and go visit them, go visit them and support them. They're doing incredible work downtown south Minneapolis at Motion City Church. And so just huge kudos to him again for coming. Um, but today I want to complete what he started talking about rest, okay? I believe and I've been praying um, that this message is not only for you, but I need like a giant mirror right here because I'm preaching to myself this morning. So if you're going, that doesn't apply to me, I don't care because it applies to me a lot, all right? So um, this is, is preaching to the choir today. Next week, I am going to be talking about those that have ever known anybody, or maybe it's you, that have dealt with depression, okay? Or And I probably has affected all of us at some point in our lives. But what I'm going to be doing, do you like Winnie the Pooh? You familiar with Winnie the Pooh characters? Okay, I hate most Winnie the Pooh characters, but um, here's why I have to tell you my premise. I'm going to be using their characters next week to talk about this with you. But my, my full name is Christopher. My middle name is, I'm not going to tell you, but my middle name was supposed to be Robin. Christopher Robin. Thank you, Jesus, that that didn't happen. Okay? It, my mom's name is Robin, so it makes it a little more, but she loved Winnie the Pooh, and so I was named after the character in that crazy cartoon, okay? And it's like, I don't know about you, but if you want to get depressed, watch Winnie the Pooh, okay? Like, seriously. And so she, I got a different uh, second name, which I'm very grateful for, and uh, good luck figuring it out. If you know, then you're already ahead of me. Um, <laughs> Eeyore's close. Good guess. Good guess. Um, will you pray with me and then we're going to jump in. God, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for um, those that, that are here. I'm grateful that there's always room for one more. And I'm grateful for what you're doing and those people on Easter and, and said yes to you. And I just pray that we would continue to see you uh, have your hand at work within this church and within this community. God, would you speak to me with these words this morning, not be mine, but may they be your words. Have your way in this place. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So on Easter Sunday, just to get you back caught up, if you missed it, I talked a lot about Elijah and the prophet Elijah. And just to get everybody on the same page, um, basically, I was talking about the miracle that he had done. Elijah said, I'm like the last prophet left. And he was kind of complaining. And he said, I, that's it, God. And, and he went and he did this incredible miracle that, that God did. And they watched all the prophets of Baal, many of them get killed, this false god named Baal and Asherah. And, and he saw this miracle that God did. And he's like, Rather than just stopping and praising God, the king and the king's wife, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill his life. And so they chased after him, and Elijah fled. Okay, get that. Think about this. You see this giant miracle that God does, and you're like, 
Okay, now I'm just going to go away because my life's on the line. Like, God can do anything, this miracle. He sees this happen, and yet he goes and he hides in a cave. He goes and he gets into this cave, and his prayer is this. After he sees God show up and show off, he goes into the cave, and he's like, God, kill me. <laughs> you ever felt that way before? <laughs> You're like, God's doing awesome things. All right, God, my life sucks today. Take my life. That's, that's where Elijah was, okay? That's where he got to. He was got to the place of going, I'm just done. I'm just done. And I know we've had conversations, and I know many people have gotten there before. So that's that's where we're at when we pick up this story, okay, this morning. So here we go. We're in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 15. We'll get you all cut up. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I don't know about you, but God said, I'm about to pass by. I'm going. Let's, like, field trip time. Come on. All right. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I would just love to have been there to see what this was all like. And then the last verse here, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. That was where God's voice was. It wasn't all the crazy doing, doing, doing. It was in the being. That was his voice speaking to the prophet Elijah. Let's read the rest here, the next two verses. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out, and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And I think God kind of said it like that. Like, what are you doing here? You know, you just saw this miracle. What's going on? He replied, I've been very zealous for you, God, or the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. In other words, go get ready for what I have in store for you. Take heart in me. Rest in me. Here's the deal. We have no idea the amount of time that lapsed here. We have no idea how much time Elijah was in this cave before God spoke in that gentle whisper. We have no idea. It could have been a day. It could have been just a few minutes. It could have been a week. There's no way of telling biblically um, from an interpretation standpoint of how long. Um, we'll come back to this in just a moment, but I want to ask you this this morning. Are, are you passionate about anything? Like, like, if you think about, like, what is the one thing that you are super uber competitive about, okay, or, or very passionate about, um, some of you, it's, it's TV shows. For, for me, I love games. And I'm not talking like video gaming. I'm talking like board games. Any board game players out there? Any, I love, I'm very competitive when it comes to cards. Some of you have played cards with me, okay? It's bad, okay? It was either going to be a pastor or a card shark at Mystic Lake. It was one of the two. No, I, I'm kidding. All right. You're like, what? That's my pastor. Just said, no. All right. But I'm, I, I love cards and all that kind of stuff. In fact, I play this game called Egyptian Rat Race or whatever you want to call it. And, and I've only lost a handful of times in 20 years, okay? And when we play Egyptian Rat Race, I will actually have like my knee on the edge of the table because if you've ever played, you gotta like slap in and I make sure to do it hard. In fact, I've seen one broken finger while I've played. Alright? I mean, that's how competitive I am with this game. Some of you are like, that is crazy and nerdy. I agree. Um, the other thing that I was super passionate about was sports. Are any sports lovers out there? Okay. I, I had the unfortunate uh, part not being jock-worthy, but I love sports. Can you relate to that? 
You know, like I loved them, but I was not that good at them. And so I remember I was very competitive, so it was hard because I'd go and I'd play, you know, softball, I'd play baseball, I'd play football out in the yard, and I would just get creamed, you know. Half my teeth came out playing football in the yard, and that was just, that was the deal. And so I was not good at it, and so like, as a kid in elementary school, you're trying to go, what am I good at? What, what am I, what am I passionate about? And I remember going, and one of my things that I loved, have you ever played wall ball or like squash, you know, with the four square ball? I love that. Or four square, I learned that really well. But then there came one sport that I was I was so good at. I'm still really good at it. It's like my favorite sport in the whole wide world. In fact, I think they should have this in the Olympics, okay? They have walking races in the Olympics. They should have this, all right? Seriously, okay? You know what it is? Tetherball. Oh. Any tetherball lovers in here? It is on like Donkey Kong, okay? So here's here's the deal. It is. I heard somebody say fishing, and I'll, I'll come to fishing here in a moment. But I love t- tetherball, man. That's like the greatest sport. It needs to be a professionalized sport, okay? I loved it. And I was like the nerdy loner kid. I'm like, I need something to do. And so I went out to the tetherball court, and I'm just like, I learned it so well that other kids would come up, and, and I got it going so well. Now, for those, I see, I see parents trying to explain to their kids right now what tetherball is, so give me just a moment. You have this pole in the ground. You've got a line that comes off attached to a ball, and it's great because what you do is you serve it, and if it hits somebody in the head, it knocks them out, okay? Like, you you just cream and you serve it. I got going so well that the people I would play against, they couldn't even touch the ball. I'm like, yeah, all right? And, and then finally, I became a youth pastor. These skills are great as a youth pastor, okay? And so as a youth pastor, we brought like 25, 30 kids up to Lake Geneva Christian Center, a camp with the Assemblies of God, and, and we're up at camp. And, and I told them all, I said, it's on. I said, we're going to play tetherball. And they're like, okay, whatever, you know. And, and they had a line. And the whole week, they're all trying to beat me. Not one of them could beat me in tetherball. Beat them every single time. And I was just like, in your face. You know what it does to your pride as an adult to beat a bunch of junior and junior high and high school kids in tetherball? It's so, I mean, it just, it just makes you feel good, you know. You're like, ah, oh, I just beat a bunch of kids. All right. And so, so there was one kid, though, his name was Colin. And I'll never forget this. Colin was like more obsessed, passionate than I was about tetherball. And so every day, like we'd be in the church service, we'd be in the line for lunch, we'd be down at the beach. Chris, I gotta try you again. I gotta try. Like he would, he was relentless. He wouldn't give up. And you know what? I loved every minute of it. I soaked it up. And I'm like, let's go. Let's do it. And so we went up and the whole week and, and I was like, watch your mouth, buddy. Like he, he was that competitive about it. And I just kept beating him and beating him. And finally, it's the last day of camp Friday around noon. We got to go. And the bus pulls up and we're getting ready to get on the bus. We actually get on the bus and he won't get on the bus. He's like, one more, just one more. My record was a hundred percent the whole week. He gets off the, I know, right? He gets off the bus and we go over to the tetherball and it was like beaten up from us the whole week. I don't think anyone ever used it in like 20 years. And so we go over to it. And, and he beats me. He serves first. I don't even touch the ball. And he just erupted. The whole bus erupts. His, I was in tears. You know, I'm just like, my record's shot. Oh, my gosh. This is awful. I was so proud of him, though. It's the only person that's beat me in 25 years of tetherball. Only time. And, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And, and it was just, he was so ecstatic. You should have just saw him on the bus. He got on the bus. He was just so happy. But he was he was uber passionate. Okay, we're a little nerdy about our tetherball. I'm just going to be honest. All right? That's where it is. So let me ask you again. What are you passionate about? What is it? Are you that obsessed? Are you that crazy about something? For me, it's obviously it's fishing as well. I have a friend of mine who said, by the way, I won't see you at church um, during January or February. I said, oh, that's interesting. Why? He's like, I'm an ice fisherman. I said, I am too. I'll be at church. He said, no, I'm, I, I'm out in my fish house seven days a week, and that's where I work from. All right, man. You're obsessed. And so... 
Let me ask you this question, though. Are you passionate about God? Okay? Are you that passionate about God? I'll be honest. Sometimes I'm more passionate about tetherball than I should be, and I'm less passionate about God than I really should be. That's where it's at. And so if you answer, yes, I am passionate about God, let me ask a a real question, your heart question, is if somebody on the outside was looking and watching your life, would they agree with you? Would they say, oh, yeah, that person, boom, sold out for Christ. Revelation, we're going to go there in just a second. Just wait on the scripture one second. But in the book of Revelation, it was written by John, most scholars believe, the Apostle John. And it was written in regards to this huge word called eschatology. And basically, it's in regards to the end times or the end of Jerusalem or a combination of both. And the book was written really to get our hearts back to God. That was the purpose of it, to say yes to Jesus. And so you have the first chapter that's kind of an intro chapter of Jesus showing up. And then chapter 2 and chapter 3 were written to seven different churches um, and these were these were actual churches in the day and age. And John was writing these through the power of the Holy Spirit, saying Jesus wants you to do these things. In other words, these are what he wants you to be encouraged with, but then you know you gotta you gotta get a few things right so that you can spend eternity with Christ. And so one of the churches that John wrote to was the church in Laodicea. This is what he said. Um, we'll go ahead and put that scripture up for it. To the church in Laodicea, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Ow! Think about that for a moment. That's God basically saying, if you're not passionate about me, if you're not hot or on fire for God, then it's not good enough. He wants it all, not just a part of us. He will only take the priority of our heart, no other position. That's what he wants. And so here in the scripture, John's writing through the power of the Holy Spirit that you've got to be hot for God. Okay, and I'm not talking like, you know, like, oh, I'm hot for my wife. You know, not I'm not talking that kind, okay? We're talking passionate, biblical passion for God. A faithful obedience kind of passion. You know, he talks later that you've lost your first love being Christ. And he says, no, you're no longer hot. You know, be one or the other. Don't be lukewarm. Let me give you an example of what it means to be lukewarm. I'm a visual guy. Um, my my parents in elementary school, you know, I would have hot lunch every day. And uh, one day I decided to have a bag lunch. And my mom packed us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Any, you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Anybody? I, I don't even like them anymore very much. I mean, they're okay. But peanut butter, well, here's the deal, okay? Somebody said, are you kidding me? And here's the deal. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches took the place of any kind of fruit or vegetable side at our dinner. That was our side, was PB&J. You're like, oh, that sounds amazing. It was for the first six years. Um, okay. And then this day, I get PB&J, and I bring it to my locker, and I put it in the bottom of my locker, and I forgot about it. Because that day, I, I forgot that I had a lunch, and so I went and I had hot lunch. And so the next day, I went and I saw it. I'm like, oh, i got to bring that home. And then I forgot about it. A week later, I, I was like, I really should bring that home, you know. A month later, totally forgot about it. The end of the year comes, six months later. And and I go, and it's like the last day, clean out your locker day, and I go with my teacher, and, she, and I'm going through, I'm a pretty meticulous clean guy, usually, okay. This was the big exception. And I go, and and I'm cleaning up, and I look at the bottom in that paper bag that I brought from my mom six months ago that I'd totally forgotten about, and I'm like, I didn't know that I brought a stuffed animal six months ago. I'll let you figure that out. 
I pull it out. It's white and furry. Like you could have like chopped the penicillin that had been making the last six months off of this thing. It was awful. It was awful. Okay. Now for those of you that are coffee drinkers, any coffee drinkers out there? Okay. A lot of you. All right. We have Dunn Brothers, I guess, today. I get in trouble if I say we have anything else. Um, we have caribou workers and Dunn Brothers workers in the church. We all get along. And, uh, basically, I, if you ever take a coffee, do this, mix in cream. You gotta have creamer. It won't work. And just mix it in. Get it nice and hot. That's hot. Go set it on your end table, your coffee table, and then leave it there for like a week. Okay? Leave it there for a week. Don't touch it. And then the week later, you're going to have to take like a spoon or something, and you're going to have to take off that top layer of like scum or film that's now there. Take that, peel it off the top, and then just take a sip. Just take, I mean, how does, you would spit it out of your mouth. That's what God's saying here in these verses. He's saying, no, don't be like that coffee, okay? He's saying, don't be like that peanut butter sandwich, but be hot for him. Be on fire. Okay? Be on fire. That's what he wants for us. So how do we be on fire for God? How do we, how do we be passionate for God? We, we all know the simple answer. Read the Bible, spend time with God, all that. Yeah. That, that's, that, these, those are all good things. But our passion for God has got to be infused into every area of our life. Everything. He wants to be the center. He wants to take president in our heart. And so one of the hardest things in preaching to the choir right now for the passionate person to learn is how to rest. Because we're, do, we're doing good. We're constantly doing things. We, we feel like we we got to be doing this and do that. Look at Elijah. He's seeing these miracles. He's performing. He's praying. He's spending time with God, but he's going and he's going and he's going and he's going. He didn't rest. And what happened? Eventually he got burned out. That's what happened to Elijah. And so us as leaders, as Christians, as people that are passionate for Christ, the one thing that we have got to learn is rest. When we're Christ-centered, this is what we end up realizing. How many know God's ways are not our ways? It's a little different a lot of times. And so we know that it's okay to rest, and it's not okay to not rest. God wants us to rest. Rest is, is just crazy. And see, let me, let me show you this. It's so hard in our day and age. We got music all the time. We got, you come in here, we got music, we got a countdown video, our worship team plays, we got somebody playing the keyboard, and then I come and I speak, and then we got the music team again, then we got music on your way out. And so anytime, even in a church service, that you have like three seconds of a moment of silence, it's awkward. I'll prove it to you. That was like five seconds of awkwardness, okay? Right there. I love fishing. That's another passion of mine. And I remember going up to the Boundary Waters, and I go up there about every other year with a buddy of mine. Him and I like to do about 60 miles in four days. We're kind of crazy, okay? We love it. And I remember going up there, and we're constantly surrounded by stuff. And I'm listening, everywhere I go, I listen to podcasts, or I'm, I'm reading, or I'm studying. It just, it's constant infiltration. It's almost overload at times. And I get up to the Boundary Waters, and it's one of our first nights up there. We get our tent set up. And, and we get in, in, you know, into the tent and, and I'm staring up at the stars and it was one of these nights, maybe you can relate, but it was quiet. Like there was no wind and I thought I could hear the mosquitoes. I couldn't hear mosquitoes. I couldn't hear the wolves. I couldn't hear anything. And so I was, I laid there and it was like so quiet that it was deafening. You ever heard quiet like that? Where I realized like, wow, I've been going at mock speed too long and I just had to learn to go the rest because i can't even sit without hearing anything because it's like driving me try it sometime like on your way home like don't talk to anybody don't turn on the radio you'll go insane you know it's just different and so i sat there and it was deafening i realized that i needed to rest steve last week he talked about 
the commandments, as he called suggestions. You see, we're no longer under the law. Thank you, Jesus. But why would I not want what's known as a Sabbath day's rest once a week? Why would I not want that? You know, my wife and I, Heather and I, we try to take one day a week that we say, hey, this, we're just going to unplug. We're not going to do anything related to church. We're not going to do anything that we don't have to do. We're just going to unplug. And that's on Saturday, typically. Typically, on Saturdays. Now, yesterday we had a wedding. Sometimes we have sports. Sometimes you have, you know, stuff happens. That's understandable. It's not a religious thing, but it's purposeful for us to go, we're just going to stop. We're just going to stop. We're just going to take it easy. We're not doing anything. One thing that I have said many times over and over is, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy. I don't have time. God's ways are not our ways. When we rest in Him, it's almost as if we get more time. It's how it works with Him. It doesn't make sense. You can't write it out on an Excel spreadsheet if you're nerdy like me and make it have it make sense. It doesn't. But I've come to believe that being too busy, it's a myth. It's not that I'm too busy to rest. I can always make the time. What happens is my time gets so occupied with so much other stuff that I don't make time to rest. And what happened to Elijah? He got burnt out. He said, God, take me. I'm done. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to you. One type of rest, there's many type of rests within Scripture. I just want to give you one this morning, is known as the saint's rest. This, in other words, is like when you're spending time with God, and God says, I want you to go away with me, and I just want you to be quiet or have a time of solitude. That's known as saint's rest. You find that here in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 31 and 32. And he said to them, Jesus' words, come away by yourselves to a what kind of place? Say it with me. A desolate place and do what for a while? For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. I'm a big guy. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. Okay? No leisure to even eat. Come on, man. They didn't even go to the local pizza joint that day. It was bad. And they went away in the boat to a what kind of place? Desolate place by themselves. What's interesting about where this story is in the book of Mark, Mark, if you, if you, if you like biblical interpretation, study hermeneutics, all that kind of stuff, basically the book of Mark is all of these sandwich stories that are on top of each other. And right here in the midst of it, you find what's important is usually the middle of the sandwich. You have a pre-miracle, you have them spending time with Jesus, and then you have a post-miracle where they feed the 5,000. In between, you see what's really important, where the author of the book of Mark was trying to get our attention and say, look, you got to stop and just spend time with Jesus. Get out in a boat with him and have pizza. That's what's really saying here. Okay, that's my paraphrased version. All right. Okay. But Jesus, out in the boat, hey, just spend time. You see, what will happen is a restless heart will lead to a reckless life. And God is saying, you've got to have rest in me. Too busy. How, how many of us have said it before? I'm just, I'm, I'm too busy. Too busy. I, I've showed this once to you before a few years ago. I want to show this to you again for those of you that haven't seen it. Um, go ahead and put this up there. Um, how many know Chinese? Do we have any Chinese scholars in the house? All right, we have one. Okay. All right. Pastor Matt became a Chinese scholar. I didn't know that. All right. This is what this means. On the left is a Chinese character. Uh, this is their word, by the way, for busy. On the left, there's two characters here together. They use characters, not, not letters. On the left is the word for heart. And on the right-hand side of the screen, you ready for this, is actually the Chinese word for killing. Heart and killing together in Chinese means busy. 
That's pretty powerful. It's very powerful. Bill Hybels, one of my favorite um, Bible guys, favorite leaders, he says this. He says, busyness is the unrivaled arch enemy of spiritual authenticity. Think about that for a moment. It's a little, a little heavy, but think about it. Busyness is the unrivaled arch enemy of spiritual authenticity. In other words, God is calling us to rest in Him so that it's not only about what we do, but it's about who we are and just being in Christ. That's the most important part. If you go back to Mark, you look at it from a scriptural interpretation standpoint. The author of Mark was saying, you've got to just spend time with Jesus. God gave us this gift. The Sabbath is a gift for being strengthened. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11 says this. Now remember, this was the law, and it said, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Did God have to rest on the seventh day? No, he didn't have to rest on this. So why did he? You see, we weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was actually made for us. And God demonstrates that for us by actually resting on that seventh day, saying, this is a gift. This is a gift for you. So what is the Sabbath day? What, what, is, what does that mean? Because we're no longer under the law. Christ came to fulfill the law. And we'll, we'll wrap that all together here in just a moment. So what does it mean to have a Sabbath day of rest? Well, it was, it was a day that they set, set us apart for rest. It went from 6 o'clock at night, Friday night, to 6 o'clock at night, Saturday night. That was the Sabbath. And it looked way different than ours does today. Here's what they did. Jewish law, you didn't work at all on the Sabbath day. No work at all. I, my neighbor of mine, um, who was not a Christian at the time, I was out, and Sunday is more of our Sabbath as as Christians a lot of times. People look at the church and go, yeah, they, they have church on Sunday, things are closed on Sunday, whatever. Well, I was out mowing my lawn when we lived in Eden Prairie on a Sunday, and he's never been in church before, and he, he yells across the yard, he's like, hey, pastor! And so I, I could barely hear him, I turn off the mower, I'm like, what? He's like, why are you working on the Sabbath? I'm like, you don't even believe in Christ. What are you telling me for, man? Like, really? But the world's watching us all the time. All the time. As an example. Okay, so you you didn't do any work on the Sabbath. You didn't have a to-do list. I'm a to-do list guy. You didn't go through your to-do list on the Sabbath day. You didn't travel. Okay? You didn't have pedometers back then. You didn't know how far you were going. But they actually had where you could only go X amount of steps on the Sabbath. Because they didn't want you to go away from your house because they knew you'd be tempted to work. You weren't to buy or sell anything on the Sabbath day. You think of our, our Sundays here and more of our Sabbaths in America. Car lots. Can you buy a car on a Sunday in America? No. Government stuff is closed down. Liquor stores are closed down. Some retail, retail is closed down on Sundays. The reason was that you came together and you worshipped. You worshipped the true God of Israel on the Sabbath. That's what we do on Sunday. We follow a biblical principle, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says they came together in the temple and they worshiped together. That's what we do. And then we do the rest. We do life together, you know. We try to connect throughout the week. Yet with all of these rules and regulations that the Jews had, it was known, check this out, as a day of gladness. Why? Because it was to give man an opportunity to engage in such mental and spiritual exercises as would tend to the quickening of the soul and the spirit and the strengthening of each individual's spiritual life. That's what it was for. So how serious does God take the Sabbath? You ever wondered that? Like how, 
Does he want us to take one? Check this out. Now remember, this is, this is the law. This is pre-Jesus incarnate. But Exodus chapter 31, verse 15. So before Jesus was on the earth. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Check this out. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. Hello? Hey, did you work on the Sabbath? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't mowing my lawn that day. I want to live. You know? No. Okay, think about why. Why would this be part of the law? Because it was that important for them to rest in who God was. So let me ask you this. Are we going to be put to death if we don't rest? I would say yes and no. I would say no because we're not under the old ways of the law. But yes, because we're dying if we're not strengthened by this gift that Christ has for us. Okay? The Sabbath reveals the human tendency to marginalize God by not resting and accepting His creation order for our lives. The Sabbath reveals that rest cannot be an act of worship as we submit our schedules to God's wisdom. Okay? As, as work is dedicated to God's glory, so should rest. It should be both. So should we follow the Sabbath? Should we? Yeah, I would say yes and no. Here's why. I would say yes if you're going, yeah, I want to be refreshed. I want to spend time with God. I want to have that, that moment. And I guarantee God will bless you. Okay? It might not look how you want, but you will. If you take time to spend with God, all of a sudden it will seem like you have more time. That's how it works with Him. It's, it doesn't make sense. Don't compute it. If you're nerdy like me, don't grab your, your calculators out and your Excel spreadsheets. It, it, it doesn't work that way. But it works that way with God. So yes, if you're going, I want to be refreshed. But I would say no if this. If you're going, well, the pastor preached on it. Steve from Motion City Church, he preached on it. And, and I know that, that I should do it. Well, then it becomes religion. Don't do it if it's religion. It's not what God's after. He's after our hearts. Okay? The Sabbath, here's the cool part. Whether you say yes to a Sabbath or not, it's not a salvation issue. Salvation is through Christ alone. It's not wrapped up into whether or not we take a Sabbath day of rest. But why would we not want to? Why would we not want to? Jesus gives us this great example, and he shares what he did to the law. He didn't abolish it, but check this out. This last scripture I want to share as our worship team comes on up this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law, or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. Fulfill them. And so Christ now is the law, okay? We're to follow him. I'll share with you one last story here as they're, as they're coming up. Um, again, my buddy and mine, his name's Doug, we go up to the Bounty Waters every other year, and we went up here a few years back, and we get some of you know the story. And uh, we get up there, and I'm like, I'm the planner. I like making sure we got all our meals planned and, and where we're going and, you know, doing the 60 miles in four days and all that kind of stuff. And, and he's like, he's just Mr. Take It Easy, okay? And so I wake up one morning, and he's out at our campsite, and he's sitting on a peninsula in the middle of the lake. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You know, we got to get to our next campsite. And I was, I was like mad at him. I'm like, we got to get in our canoe. If we don't get there, it could get dark, and we're not going to get there by time. And so I got so mad at him that I started praying to God, and I'm like, God, you got to deal with this. And, and you ever prayed with God, and God tells you, you're the problem? <laughs> it's great, you know. And so I'm praying to God, and, he, and God just really gently said to me, you need to kind of shut up and rest. You need to be the one that takes a load off. What he's doing right now is what is honoring me. What you're doing isn't. Thanks, Lord. 
Love you too. Right back at you, buddy. But he said that. And I remember talking to my buddy and saying, how are you doing? He's like, you know what? I'm just here to take it easy. I'm here to rest this week. And I was so like, we got to get to the next place. Got to get to the next place. That convicted me. You, know, you can ask my kids. On the way back from vacation, I'm usually planning the next vacation. That's, that's me. They're nodding their heads. I have to learn. And I bet a lot of you have to learn to say, okay, God, I'm going to rest. I don't want to get in a place where Elijah was, where I say, God, I, I can't handle it anymore. And it's too much because you've been given and given and given. Many of you are givers. This church is made up of huge people, huge givers that give all the time, their time, their resources. They give and they give and they give. God has given this to us as a gift to rest. Would you pray with me? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.